Come on, somebody. Hey, can you make some noise if you've been enjoying tonight? Oh, snap. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, you can leave it right there. You're awesome. If you're looking at me a little bit weird and you're like, that is not Pastor John. Who the heck is this boy wearing skinny jeans with two holes? Yes, I counted my holes. I got one, two. Uh, my name is Dennis Rivera. For those I don't know, I'm the youth pastor at New Birth Point Siena. Oh, yeah, we can make some noise for our family out there in Point Siena. That's right. I came all the way from Point Siena, and I'm coming from a far ways here. Uh, but I'm so excited to be here. I'm very honored to be here. For those that are wondering why the heck is this boy up here and not Pastor John, uh, Pastor John right now is enjoying time with his family. Uh, pastor Gabby and Petri, which are our lead pastors, they're going to their 25th anniversary. Um, so they're celebrating. They're having a great time. And so he asked me to come out here tonight. And is it okay if I spend the night with you guys? Cool. Can we talk? Um, Today, I, I don't really want to preach. Uh, I'm, I'm known for being a preacher in that kind of sense, I guess. Uh, but today, I really just want to share funny stories, talk to you guys, uh, and have a great night. I think conversations go so much further. Uh, so as I speak today, uh, do not be silent. Talk to me. Let me know if something's good. You're like, hey, come on, boy. Hit that bus. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, go straight through it. Like, whatever it is, uh, that's my breakthrough. That's my word. Like, whatever you want to say, talk to me. Uh, I don't want to preach at you. I'm going to preach with you. Um, so if you've never preached before, come on. Today's your first day. We're all doing this together. Amen? Amen. Oh yeah, already good at it. Uh, before we jump into today's sermon, we got some very important people out here today. Uh, I want to let you know you are the bread and butter of our church. We do this for you. Uh, we do this because we love you. If you're a first time guest, this word is for you. Check this out. Uh, whoever brought you here, they set you up. Uh, they set you up because tonight is literally going to be a night where you encounter two things. A family of faith that is not like everybody else out there. Uh, and the second thing is a love of a creator and a father who is bigger than we could ever imagine. Um, and he's madly in love with you. Uh, he's all about you. He's obsessed with you. He's looking at you right now saying, oh my God, I'm so glad you're here. Um, and so if you are a first time guest, would you give me the honor and the privilege? You don't got to sacrifice no animals out here. You don't got to do backflips or run around the church, nothing like that. I just need you to do me one thing if this is your first time here today. Uh, can you just raise your hand? There's 12 of you. We know who you are. Can you just do me one favor? Please, please, please. Come on. Right here. Can you just raise your hand? Hey, can we stand up? Can we give them a hug, a high five? Can we welcome them? Come on. God loves us so we should love each other. Let them know your name. Ask them for theirs. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Let's go. Everybody around this room, loving, talking, hanging, chilling, relaxing, thriving, booming. Okay. Okay. Amen. Amen. Come on. Come on. Let's make our way back to our seats. I got 32 minutes. I'm going to crush this in 32 minutes. Let's do this thing. Hallelujah. You with me, God? Of course you are. I know you are. Got to be with me. If not, I ain't doing this. Uh, man, I'm going to dive right into this. Does anybody take notes on a uh, Tuesday night? Anybody? Come on. Let me see your notebooks. Let me see the glow-in-the-dark notebooks. If you take notes on your phone. Oh, snap. I see you guys. You guys look great. Uh, if you got your Bibles, you can open, your, open up your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 16. And if you're taking notes, the title of today's sermon is Heart Check. Heart Check. We're talking about our hearts today. Hallelujah. 1 Samuel 16, I'm going to read it. I'm going to pray. We're going to dive right into this. Can I do that? Awesome. Let's talk, guys. 1 Samuel 16, verse 3 is where we start. It goes like this, and I'm going to rap to you. Just kidding. Invite Jess to sacrifice, and I will show you which one of his sons to anoint for me. That's God speaking to Samuel. And so verse 4 says, so Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town, they came trembling to meet Samuel. They said, what's wrong? Do you come in peace? Verse 5, yes, Samuel replied. 
I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification ritual for Jesse and his sons. He invited them to the sacrifice as well. Verse 6, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab, which was one of Jesse's sons, and he thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Verse 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. Oh, my God, God. God, did you just say that? We're going to keep on reading. This is juicy. I like this. I lost myself. Don't judge appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. I love this. this is our bread and butter for today. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse, the father, summoned Shimea. But Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord didn't choose any of these. Verse 11. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark, handsome. He had beautiful eyes. He looked like Dennis Rivera preaching on stage. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So David stood there among his brothers. Samuel took the first flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed. Somebody say anointed anointed David with the oil. If you've never been to church, you don't know what anointed means. It's right here. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Because he was anointed, God's power was on David. So we're going to bow our heads, close our eyes. We're going to pray and dive right into this sermon. Uh, this is the moment where if you don't believe in God, you stop asking humanity to prove his existence and you ask him right now in this moment, God, show yourself to me. If he hasn't spoken in a while, right now, don't ask him to speak. Just tell him you're listening and trust him throughout the rest of the night. Right now, Holy Spirit, we pray to you, God, knowing that you're not a God that's far away, but you're a God that's closer than the air we breathe. So it's no wonder why sometimes we get confused about where you are. Right now, we are reminding ourselves, Jesus, that you are right here in the room. And we're believing, God, that you have a word for us today and that you're going to speak to us. Not so we can be inspired and motivated, but so we can be moved into action, God. Right now, out of this sermon, I don't want to be the center of attention, so God, right now, now, make it less of me, God, and more of you, Jesus. In this moment, let me not take all the words. Let me not take all the wisdom. Let me not take all the awesomeness, God. I give you the glory before the word is even said, God. So at the end of the day, people would look at you and not me. I don't last forever, but you do, Jesus. And so what you have to say is more important than what I could ever say on my own. So right now, Holy Spirit, we love you. We praise you. And everybody says, amen, amen. I ain't going to drink water right now. Um, I, I got a question to you. Has anybody ever been to a moment where it was kind of like, like you kind of did something or, or you like fell maybe in front of a lot of people and only like one person saw and you kind of looked at each other after and you were like, we ain't going to talk about this. And you kind of just walk away. Or like sometimes like something really embarrassing happens. You don't even say anything. You kind of just like whatever happens, happens. And you look at them, you're like, just like move to the side. And they're like, I got you, bro. Like don't even worry about it. I, I've been through way too many situations where it was like, this is way too embarrassing to bring up. We're just going to push it under the rug and never talk about this again. Uh, the first one that comes to mind, and one of many, I'm not going to share all of them because I don't got time, is, uh, oh, man, I don't want to say this one, God. Okay, 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 ready, ready. <laughs> um, so I, I was in elementary school, and I was talking to this girl. I'm not going to say her name because she might be here in the room. God works weird ways, right? Uh, so we're going to say her name is Jessica. If your name is Jessica, don't feel uncomfortable. Uh, it's not you, I promise. Uh, her name was Jessica, uh, quote, unquote. 
And I like Jessica. I think we were in like the first grade, maybe even kindergarten, some crazy age. And I was like, yo, Jessica, what's going on, girl? Boom, boom, nah, 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 right? We're talking, right? And uh, I'm talking to Jessica. She's feeling me. I'm feeling her. Goldfish my way, goldfish her way. We're feeling each other, right? And uh, it's recess time. So me and Jessica, we're sending somebody, right? Like a, a slave messenger to talk to me and her. Like, I'm like, yo, like Brandon, uh, go tell Jessica, da 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 da. He goes, he comes back. He's like, yo, Jessica just said da 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 da. And I'm like, oh, we snap. Like, we gotta do this. So, so me and my boys, we, we, we meet up right after Jessica sending me all these messages, right? She's DMing me in the park. And, um, um, whatever. <laughs> and uh, I, that one just came off the bed. Whatever. Um, and so I'm like, yo, like, what do I got to do now? And they're like, bro, you got to kiss Jessica. And I'm like, bro, I don't even got a wedding ring. Like, how am I going to kiss? I'm the kind of guy, I'm just like all in, right? I'm like, right away, like, boom, we're getting married. Girl, I don't even know your name. What's up? Right? So I'm like, yo, I don't even got a wedding ring. Like, do I get fireworks or doves? Like, which one am I picking? Like, what limousine am I renting? The regular one, the, the, the Hummer one? Like, what am I picking her up in? It's like, bro, we're, you're in elementary, you're in school. Like, tighten up, just go talk to her. And so I'm like, bro, I got to kiss her. They're like, yo, you got to kiss her tomorrow. If not, she's going to forget about you. Like, bro, we go to school every day together. Like, what's going on? So I, I, I kind of just go through the day, and I'm like, whatever. Like, keep on going. I get home, and I'm like, bro, I got to kiss Jessica. Like, bro, bro, I'm not ready to have a family yet. Like, What's going on with me? I'm gonna like I'm gonna lose everything, and my mom's gonna kick me out the house, and my dad's gonna disown me. Right? I'm thinking of all these things, and so I'm thinking of how I'm gonna kiss her. Right? I got everything planned. I'm getting a limousine. I'm getting fireworks, not doves. Get fireworks, guys, not doves. Uh, they might die. Fireworks don't die. Anyways, uh, I'm planning everything out, but I get to the point where I'm literally in the shower because how many know our best ideas come from the shower? Uh, I'm in the shower, and I'm like, how the heck am I gonna kiss this girl? I'm only cleaning my left shoulder just because I was in elementary, and I'm thinking, I'm like, yo. How am I gonna kiss this girl? And so I was like, you know, I just gotta start practicing. And so, <laughs> ah! Right, so, so the time comes where, uh, like I said, I'm the guy, I'm all in. Like, I'm all in, baby. Like, it's, it's me in the moment. You should've like asked my coaches in basketball, like, yo, he was all in during practice, almost like lost the tooth and stuff, right? I'm all in, so I'm practicing how to kiss Jessica. So I'm in the shower, cleaning my shower, there's a wall next to me. I know, it's about to get weird, don't judge me. You've done weird things too, stop. So I, I'm like, yo, how am I going to kiss Jessica? Then I'm like, what's going on, Jessica? <laughs> what's she doing here, girl? What's she, this is a shower, Jessica. You're getting crazy. My God. Oh, God, don't look at this, bro. Tighten up, right? I'm like, I'm getting nervous. Jessica's in the, she's there, right? And, and I'm all in. So like my imagination, the way, I, the way that I think, the way that I preach, the way that I live life, I'm, I love movies, but I don't really watch movies. I make movies like everywhere I go. And so I'm making a movie right here. I'm like, I see her face on the wall. She's talking to me. I'm like, girl, stop, bro. Chill, what you? Right? And so we're having a conversation. You're talking to a wall, Dennis. Having a conversation, and, and it gets to the point where it's like, well, it's time, Jessica. You know what's about to happen. So, so right when I lean in, like this is the, the fireworks are coming out. The limousine doors are open for us to go in right after. Like we're in there and I'm about to kiss Jessica, who's a wall if you haven't been paying attention. And right when I'm about to kiss her, my mom opens the curtain. She's like, what are you doing? And I was like, Jessica, oh, not even me. Hands off me. Get off me. And my mom, she looks at me, closes the curtain. She walks away. I know it was my mom because I texted my sister uh, like a couple weeks back and I was like, hey, did you ever catch me kissing a wall in the shower? She was like, what is wrong with you? I was like, it wasn't you. It was definitely my mom. And if it was my dad, he probably would have made fun of me and told all my friends. So no, it was her. Um, and, and the reason I share this story is because there's some moments in life where it happens and you're just like, you kind of ignore it. 
I, I need to let you know, we're, we're talking about David a couple minutes ago, and uh, David is this great king. He, he's, a, he's a man after God's own heart. It's beautiful. He's, he's got a great story. He killed Goliath. We all know that one. Uh, but before David was a king, he was an embarrassment. I, I need to let you know the truth about David's life, and it's that when God was going to anoint the next king, Samuel said, hey, one of your sons is the king, uh, the next king of Israel. And when he came, David was all the way in the back. D David was one of those moments where it was kind of like, oh, 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 I'm, I'm going to push you back. I'm, I'm not going to talk about you. We don't need to mention this part of our relationship. We don't need to talk about this part of our lives. We're, we're just going to focus on the beautiful seven. And Jesse shows off his beautiful seven. But, but, but David is in the back. You see, but my, my favorite thing about God, can I talk to you about how good God is right now? Can I do that? My, my favorite thing about God is that he doesn't look at your appearance. If your curls don't look good today, he don't care. If your muscles aren't flexing extra today, it don't matter. Because verse, uh, verse 7 tells us this, and I love verse 7. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height. For I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord judges by the heart. Man, isn't it good that God judges by our heart? People reject you because of how you look, but God says, no, 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 I'm looking at your heart. There, there was success in the life of David, not because of how he looked, but because of who he was, because God looked at his heart. When man rejected his outward appearance, God accepted his inward self. He said, hey, I, I look at you for who you are. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that looks at our heart? Okay, church, can I be real now? Cool. Sometimes that's not so good. Sometimes I, I wish God could look at my outside, not my inside, because my insides ain't that good. Sometimes I prefer man to judge me on the outside than God to judge me on the inside. Why is my first point today? Because you can change your outer appearance, but only God can change your heart. And everything about the outside, you could change it. And so, yes, you could be like, only God could judge me. Don't be looking at me. Ooh, flip hair. Only God could judge me. No, no, mama, mama, you don't want God to judge you. <laughs> That's a scary thing to say. Your heart don't look as pretty as your face. Your, your laughter and your smile, your jokes are good, but your heart, it's a little bit on the empty side. It, it, it's dragging itself through life. And, and we're saying things like, hey, only God could judge me because he knows my heart. You're right, he does. <laughs> so stop talking. And, and we're looking at the life of David, and I, I want to remind you today that everything about you can change on the outside. It's good. It might be ugly now, but you can get some plastic surgery, fix that sucker up. It could be good. But only God could change the heart. See, there's some things that you're, that you're waiting for man to approve of, but they can't even see because it's deep down in there. See, and, and this is the problem, that a lot of us, we read the story of David and Goliath, and we think that we're David because our hearts aren't that healthy, and we feel self-entitled. I'm David. I'm, I'm the next king. I, I'm anointed. I, I'm called just like David was called. Yes, that's true. But the problem is that a lot of us, we have the calling of David in our lives to be the next one up, but we have the heart of Jesse, the father. See, and what happens is there are certain things in your life that right now you are Jesse, not David, and you're hiding David. God is looking at your lack of discipline, and you're hiding it. God is looking at your inconsistency on how you spend time with him, and you're hiding it. And you're saying, no, 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 God, look at my seven beautiful sons. And God is saying, no, no, I care about the one in the back. I care about the thing you're hiding from me. See, you, you can write this question somewhere in your notes, um, and it's when God comes to anoint something in your life. What are you presenting him? What do you give God? When God says, hey, I'm sending Samuel your way to anoint the next king of Israel, well, what do you show off to God? Your highlight reel or, or your entire life? See, there's, there's a problem within us that, that we think God wants to work with the best things you've got. You can smile real good, so you think you want, you, God wants to use your smile. 
He doesn't want to use the best of you because if he uses the best of you, you'll get, off the glory. You'll get all the glory. See, but if God uses the worst things inside of you and you're still successful in his plan, you're going to look back and say, God, you used the worst part of me. I can't get the glory. You got to get the glory. This is why God chose the worst, not the best. He don't care about your best. He gave you that. He's saying, hey, are you willing to trust me with the worst of your life? Because that's what I'm interested in. What, your, your highlight reel? Yeah, show that off to everybody. It's not going to make a difference. Now, the trash stuff in your heart, I want to use that. That's going to be crazy. Oh, man, that's going to be so nuts. When I use your, your anger problem to actually help somebody out, when, when you allow me to change those insecurities to actually be confident, oh, man, that's going to be crazy. He, he don't want to bless that pretend me that you are on Instagram. That, that's a fake person. That's not going to receive the blessing. He wants to use that insecure you that's questioning every day whether he should be here or not, that's questioning whether God really loves him. He wants to use that part of you and say, that's what's going to glorify me the most. You want to glorify yourself? Go to the circus. I love him. He says, hey, uh, one of my favorite preachers, his name is Bob Goff. He, he says, man, if, if you want an applause in church, if you want an applause in this life called Christianity, just, just go to the circus. They're, they give those out for free. Yeah, yeah. Uh, out here, we don't work to glorify ourselves. We work to glorify our God. He's the only reason I'm here. He, he's the only reason I'm standing up here. If you thought my life was perfect, that led me here. No, no, no. no. I, I am probably one of the worst. God is the best, and he uses my worst to glorify who he is. I, I love this passage in scripture. It's found in uh, John chapter 13. If you guys can go ahead and throw it up. It says, when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, you're going to wash my feet. I got bunions on them. Jesus replied, you don't understand what I'm doing right now, Peter, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus replied, check this out, this is for you, church. Unless I wash you, you don't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, God, then wash my hands, wash my feet as well, wash my hair, wash my body, wash everything about me. See, I need you to understand that if you're only giving some of yourself to God, it's not that he's going to use some of it. He actually says, you don't belong here. Wait, Jesus, whoa, I, I thought you loved me. He says, yes, I love all of you, not some of you. Don't give me half of who you are. I give you everything of me so I can have everything of you. And some of us are saying, wait, God, I, I, I can't give you my best. I thought you loved me. He's saying, no, no, no. I, I just don't think you understand the fullness of my love. I'm not your friends. I, I'm not your father. I don't step in and out of your life. I, I, I'm not that person. I'm here forever, and I need all of you. If I can't wash all of you, you have no part in me. Jesus, hold on, bro. Hold on, bro. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I could do that. Wait, wait, God, everything? Yes, I need everything. Did I give you some of me on the cross? No, Jesus. What did I give you, Dennis? God, you gave me all of you. So what do you think I want? All of me? You, you know why God wants all of you? Because he can do so much better with all of you than you can do with some of you. Like, like, you're trying to manage your finances so well and give everything else to God, and that's the only thing that's failing. You're trying to manage your relationships by yourself and everything else to God, and that's the only thing that's failing. And, and those things that you're holding on by yourself, you're wondering, God, aren't you helping me out? He's like, I I'm trying to reach over your shoulder, big fella. Uh, I I'm trying to take it off your hands, but you, you got a tight grip. <laughs> it's crazy. It, it, it's so crazy. Sometimes you hold on to the things God freed you from harder than the devil actually held on to those things. And we're saying, oh, my God, the devil's holding on to my life, and God is saying, no, 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 you are. <laughs> You stronger than a devil, big fella. I died for you. Why, why don't you let go of those things? And I think it's time we need to check our hearts. What are you presenting to God when he wants to bless you? 
the best of you or all of you. Because if you don't let him wash all of you, chances are he ain't washing any of you. Um, there's this beautiful story that I, lo- I love to mention. Um, and when it comes to God checking our hearts, we, we, we create a lot of excuses. And there's this specific story of, of two men. They're different guys. They're going to the exact same place in the exact same way, do the exact same experience. And one of the guys, he goes through this rose garden, beautiful rose garden. He walks to the end of the garden. He's got scratches all over his arms. And he's like, man, there were so many thorns in there. I just, it hurt so much everywhere I walked, everywhere I turned, the thorns would stab me, they would hurt me. And the other guy, the second guy, guy number two, he walked the exact same path. He said he had the exact same cuts all over his body, but he had a rose in his hand. He said, man, this rose is so beautiful. Oh man, did you see the roses in there? Yeah, that garden is sick. There's so many roses. And this is the problem. That guy number one that was complaining about the thorns had the heart of Jesse. Where he said, uh, God, I, I know you want to change my heart, but you don't know what they did to me. You, you don't know what my circumstance looks like, God. You, you don't know what my life is like. There's thorns in there. there there's frustration in there. there. There's anxiety in there. There's depression in there. There's people cheating and backstabbing me in there. Didn't you see the thorns, Jesus? And there's a man who went the, through the exact same thing. He had the heart of God, not the heart of Jesse. He said, man, God, those roses were crazy. Those roses were something else. But, but chances are you're not guy number two. You're guy number one. And you're saying, God, man, these, these, these cuts sting, man. God, I, I know you love me, but, hey, God, I, I know you got good plans for me, but, and, and you keep showing God your scars, and God is saying, oh, man, you ain't seen my scars. <laughs> you're saying, God, you didn't see how they cut me, and he's saying, you didn't see how they beat me? Hey, hey God, you didn't see how they abused me? Yeah, I, I, know, what you, I know what you feel. I, I was there, too. I, I actually got it worse. See, but, but when you have the heart of Jesse where, where you're constantly hiding things from God and you're constantly saying, God, no, no, don't, don't work with that. They, they hurt me. And God's saying, no, 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 trust me with it. Let me wash all of you because if I can't wash all of you, I, I don't want any part with you and you have nothing to do with me. And you're saying, God, I, I understand that. I understand that, that I'll have nothing to do with you, but, but you don't know what they did. You, you don't know what it was like, man. You, you don't know how to live their lives, and, and, and I want to let you know, I'm not judging you right now. I'm not telling you you're a dirtbag or anything to Jesus, but, but I am going to let you know that, that a lot of us are in that place. The person next to you is probably in that same place. They got a thorn problem. They got a thorn issue. There's this man in the Bible that I really want him, I really want him to speak to your heart right now. Uh, his name is Paul. We all know Paul. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 goes like this. He, he has a thorn problem too. And he says, even though I received such wonderful revelations from God, and even though the roses were nice, even though the garden was beautiful, to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Next verse. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Take away the thorns, God. To t- take away the pain. And, and each time, I love this. This is my verse for the year, for my life probably. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power, God is saying, works best in weakness. And Paul writes, so now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Come on, does somebody want God's power to work in their life? You got to remain weak sometimes so that God can be strong. You got to allow yourself to go through the pain so God can say, I got your healing. I got your love. I got what you missed out on. You thought the thorns ripped everything away. I'm about to give you double. I'm about to give you more. I'm about to give you more than what you lost in that garden. In this thing called life, in that situation, in that circumstance, I'm about to give you more. But this is so interesting that Paul was complaining about his circumstance. God did not speak to his circumstance. God spoke to him. 
God said, these thorns, I mean, Paul said, these thorns hurt. God said, yeah, but I'm working in you. He said, hey, God, I, I got these thorns. Take these thorns away from me. Take, take this circumstance away from me. Take these problems away from me. And God said, yeah, yeah, but my grace is all you need. You know what's crazy? This is my next point. God is more interested in changing you than he is changing your circumstance. You know what's crazy? Sometimes God allows you to go through the worst things in life because he knows you're going to be a better person after it. I, I, I told this to my youth, and, and, and one of the girls, she was, she was kind of offended by this. She was complaining about her family. She was complaining about how annoying her parents were. And I was like, Mama, can, can I be honest with you? Can I be, can I be real with you? She's like, yeah, what's going on? She knew I was about to hit her in the face. I said, God wants to work on your heart before he works on your home. And, and you're complaining about your parents. But why don't you talk to God about yourself? Why don't you examine your heart before you examine the heart of your mother? Maybe you're in here and you're saying, God, my boss is annoying. This is why I keep losing my salvation. You know, every time I've been cursing this week, it's because of my boss. Oh, oh snap. <laughs> I hit a nerve. My fault. My fault. Hey, God, every time that, that I just want to hit a wall and break my knuckles, it, it, it was because of my girlfriend. She was acting crazy. Every, every time I broke my nails off, it was because of my boyfriend. He was, he was messing with me, and I started scratching the couches up because I got mad. I know what else to scratch. I don't know what girls do. Right? I don't wear nails. Right? <laughs> don't judge me. I'm just making up stories. Almost ran my car into a tree because I was upset. You, you know, sometimes you be thinking things you shouldn't be thinking. Wonder how fast I can go in front of this guy. This guy. He's just walking across the street and he just flicked me off. Huh? Hmm. <laughs> just kidding. I, do I think about that only? Just kidding. No, whatever. And God is saying, yeah, no. Hey, if I change your circumstance, you still be the same person. If I change everything around you, I can't change anything about you. And I want to work in you. Can I let you know, man, God honestly isn't even, he, doesn't, he probably doesn't even care about your circumstance. <laughs> he's probably so focused on you. When you're going through the thick of it, he's like, I've been there. I've done that. I only care about you. I've been through the worst of it. I only care about you. I, I struggled. I, I got backstabbed by Judas. I, I got hung on a cross. I got beaten and whipped. I, I know what pain feels like, but I care about the person. I care about who you are, where you're going. Can I let you know, God is more focused on your future than your past. Let go of it. I know they hurt you. I've been hurt too. We in this together. But man, I know God cares about my future way more than my past. So guess what I'm choosing to focus on? My future, not my past. God wants to change your heart, church. If you're a first-time guest in about 10 minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to allow that to happen. If you've been coming here for a couple weeks, haven't said yes to Jesus, we, this is what I'm talking about. We set you up. We want you to encounter one thing. is, is, is the family and, and the love of God. Right now, I'm going to give you an opportunity to encounter that in just 10 minutes. But I need you to know, before any of this, God wants to change your heart. It's not just saying yes to Jesus and everything's perfect. No, now everything's progressing. You just said yes to a relationship. And saying yes to Jesus is not the end. It's the beginning. And, and God wants to change our heart, church. He, he, sometimes he don't even care about what you're doing. He cares about why you're doing it. Sometimes he, he's like, hey, I, I, I get you're your helping that person out. But are you doing it because you love them or just because you want an applause? Are you serving people because you want a pat on the back? It's good that you're serving, but man, you just ruined everything. You just put a bad seed in that beautiful garden. Hey, I get it. You're amazing. You're an amazing singer, but you ain't got no anointing. You, you haven't spent time with God for him to use you here. When was the last time you spoke to him and said, God, use me? And not in a prayer circle before service. And don't get it confused. It's not about how many times you do it or the routine, waking up every day at 5 a.m., but, but can you find your rhythm with God? Can you, 
hey, God, every time I get to my car, I'm going to pray. Hey, God, every time, I, right before I walk into the front depths of the devil's den in my job, I'm going to pray. Find a rhythm, church. You open up that door, God, you're with me. Come on, step into your house. Step into your job. Step into your school. God, you're with me. I'm in my school. I'm in my house. I'm in my job. But so many of us were saying, God, I got to wake up at 5 a.m. to prepare for my school. Just find a rhythm. Find where you and God can dance together. Somebody chat that hallelujah, right? That is the Lord's music. Amen. No, I'm kidding. I, I, I want to kind of close off with this story. I got, I got seven minutes and 30 seconds left. Yes, I said that. Um, and it's the story of this young man. Um, some of you have already heard the story. It's a very famous church story. Uh, and I don't know the beginning too well because I heard it very long ago in middle school. But I know the ending perfectly. And so I want to share the story with you. It was about a man. Um, he was about 20 years old maybe or maybe even 19. Um, he just got out of work. He was driving on his way to school, um, out of work, sorry, to his house, and he got in a really bad car accident. Um, they rushed him to the hospital, uh, called his parents up. Hey, your son, like, he's in the hospital, got into a bad accident. We need you to come here now. His parents rushed to the hospital, call off of work, leave the house. They go to the hospital. They look at him. He's in a coma. The doctor comes in the room and says, hey, your son has a 10% chance of life. They're believers, and so immediately when the doctor gives them a moment to, to, with their son, they start praying, God, you're, you're the God of miracles. God, you're a good, good father. If you did it to Lazarus in the grave, God, you, you can do it here. If you did it for Jesus, God, and Jesus died for our son, God, you can do it right here by, our, by, his, by your stripes, God. He is healed. You, you can do a miracle right now. We believe in you, Jesus. And they're praying, and, and it looks like they're saying all the right prayers, but nothing is happening. And, and the doctor, he rushes in the room. He says, hey, hey, I, I'm so sorry to interrupt your time, but, but there's a girl next door. She's got a 30% chance of life. All we need is somebody to donate their heart. I'm not saying you have to, but I'm, I'm giving you this opportunity because your son has a 10% chance, and if we don't perform surgery on the both, they're both going to die. So either, either you let us know if we can give your son's heart to this young girl across the room, or we can hurry up and try to find another donor for her so we can help her out too. And they're like, hey, doctor, can you give us a moment? He, he, he exits the room, and, and they're saying, God, right now, there, there's so much stress. There, there's so much anxiety. We don't know what you're going to do. Holy Spirit, right now, can you wake our son up? Can you bring us our baby boy back, our only child? God, can you bring us, can you bring him back into our life? And the doctor comes in. He says, ma'am, I don't want to rush you, but we really need to make a decision uh, fast before we lose the both of them. So the parents look at each other. They kind of nod their heads and understand. Um, they say, can you give us two minutes of just alone time? He says, I, I can give you one because that young girl's really about to go. He said, okay, so the doctor leaves. They have a moment with their son. They're saying, God, one last chance. Can you do something right here? Right? They said a daring prayer, a prayer that would push God to the edge of his seat, a prayer of faith that would excite God. The doctor comes in, and the son doesn't wake up. They said, all right, doctor, take him away. The doctor takes him away. They leave the, they leave the hospital, go to their house. They're crying. They're asking God, why, God? This doesn't make sense. He was just leaving work. He, he was a good kid. We go to church all the time. This, I, I don't get this. And, and about a year passes when they're asking God almost every day, God, why my son? Why my son? Why not somebody else's son? Well, why did you have to do this? And, and one day, it's, it's like about the one year. It's not an anniversary. What's the word? Like a memorial almost. It was one year passed since he died. They're looking at baby pictures. They're on the couch. They're crying. Husband is comforting his wife. And uh, they hear a knock on the door husband, he stands up, he gives tissues to the wife to kind of clean her tears. He, he, he opens the door and he sees this young girl. And this young girl, she's got the cutest smile ever. She's got her hair in a nice little ponytail. She's wearing cute, cute clothing. She's like, hey, sir, how you doing? I, I don't want to bother you, but I just wanted to let you know how my life has been ever since your son gave his heart to me. 
immediately the husband starts crying and crying and crying. The, the, the wife, she looks like, Bill, what's going on? This little girl's like possessing my husband. Like she stepped up in it. She's like, what's going on here? And she says, ma'am, I'm so sorry to bother you guys on this early morning, but I just wanted to let you know how my life has been ever since your son gave his heart to me. Immediately the wife starts crying and crying. They bring the girl in. They set her down. They start asking her about her life. She's telling them how she travels with her family, how she's a good daughter. Her parents are good. She's got a good education going for her. She's chasing her dreams. And she's like, man, I, I just want to say thank you for allowing your son to give me his heart. Can I let you know, church, you are that young girl. And Jesus is that boy with a 10% chance of life. And God looked at you in humanity and he said, man, they jacked up. They messed up. I don't know how they're living. I don't know why they're doing this. I don't know why they're making those decisions, those choices. I don't know why their heart is so sick. And he looks at his son. He says, son, if you go down there, you only got a 10% chance of life. And if you give yourself completely, you're not coming back a lot. You're going to die down there. Jesus says, all right, dad, I got them. He steps out into this world. He dies for our sins. And I think the proper posture from now on is that we would look at God and one day say, God, I just want to let you know what my life has been like ever since your son gave his heart to me. I want to let you know my dreams, my passions, my purpose, my calling. I want to let you know the joy that entered my heart ever since your son gave his heart to me. My life is a reflection of your love. And I don't feel good sometimes. It hurts me sometimes. But man, I got a new heart. I need you to write this point down. This is the best point of all night. The way God changes your heart is he gives you his sons. God, God isn't going to change all these things about you step by step. He's going to give you something brand spanking new. Right off the bat. You might ask me, so, so why all these processes? And that's exactly why, because it's something new. And you're not used to it yet. It's something new and you don't know how to use it. You got to go back to the manual every now and then. You got to go ahead and ask God, God, how do I use this new life? I don't get it all the time. It's confusing. It's frustrating. And, and God is saying, listen, listen, listen. I just need you to trust me. Are you willing to trust me enough to show me the David you've been hiding back there? Because I want to give you a new heart. I didn't give Jesus up for no reason. I gave him up for you. Forget about your circumstance. But God, you don't know how. No, 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 no. I don't care how. I care about you. Yeah, they hurt you. Yeah, they backstab you. But I made you. I'm looking at you with heart eyes.